Hi, and welcome to the Expired Podcast by Macy Bookout and Natalie Gard. So I am by myself today because Macy is dealing with some sick kiddos. So let's just jump right in. This is a very interesting case. It's called the Kingston Courthouse Murder. And let's just jump right in. Jennifer Hyatt had a very difficult upbringing with her first ever memory being in a courthouse. Her mom and dad were getting divorced. Um, This is in Emory County, Utah. Jennifer and her sister were put through a pretty difficult custody battle. Her father quickly remarried and his two young daughters weren't present for the wedding, which ultimately caused some friction. There isn't a lot of information on Jennifer's early life, but she did describe it in a 34-page manifest that was then confiscated by, you know, people in jail. After her parents divorced and her father remarried, Jennifer says she and her sister were sexually abused by someone in her father's new family, uh, which went on for four years. They never told anybody. Jennifer found solace in horses. Her aunt actually owned several horse stables, and that's where Jennifer fell in love with this thoroughbred horse named Weaver. Unfortunately, she only got to heal with Weaver for a little while because, you know, the horse had to be moved to a different stable, and it wasn't one of her aunt's stables, so it was really sad for her. She says, well, that's it. I backed away from horses for good. Mm. At age 15, she turned to alcohol, drugs, and dating older men. Her boyfriend was 25, and she was a 15-year-old child. While staying between her mom and her dad, she learned a lot of things, like how to sneak out and how to cover her tracks. Jennifer would sneak out of her mom's house and, like, take her mom's car. And she even learned how to change the odometer on her mom's car. So her mom had no idea that she was out driving at night. Wow. The summer before her senior year in Utah, she met her first husband. She wrote a day before the wedding at three months pregnant and only 18 years old. She found him with another woman. She went on with the wedding day because she was probably scared out of her mind. Um, The couple would later welcome three children together, two sons and a daughter. Jennifer says the marriage was abusive at times and drugs were being used in the household. In 1996, this was not a good time for Jennifer because she remembers her first taste of cocaine. She says, I was hooked. She also writes that after she had done it once, she needed more and more and more and even described being sold off when she and her husband didn't have money to support their habit. She then went on, she went on a six-month binge, six-month binge, oof, which ended when she came home one night and her children looked at her like she was a stranger. They didn't even recognize her. Yeah, that's what six months of hard drugs can do to you. By 1999, Jennifer's husband was arrested twice for drug charges, including a meth lab in the couple's three-bedroom home. He also got a DUI in the fourth degree, all within a two-week span. With her husband going away, she felt lost. She had no self-esteem, no character, no substance. 
She did move on in her life kind of quickly. She moved on with a large man who was nice and a little bit of a pushover. They quickly married, and Jennifer says, 30 minutes after she said, I do, she met a friend of the groom at the reception. His name was Travis. She was smitten with Travis. This is 30 minutes after her wedding. The two began uh, an intense affair, even sneaking off to casino vacations. It was, it was a lot. Even after Jennifer's second husband found out about her having an affair with Travis, the, the two continued to have an affair. Her second husband then filed for divorce and Travis quickly moved in. That, of course, quickly fizzled out due to the fact that, quote, Travis was too much of a kid himself and me with three kids, it wasn't going to work. That's what Jennifer said. Jennifer needed a break. She needed a vacation, so she decided to go visit her friend Tina in good old Music City, Tennessee. She fell in love with Nashville. She loved Tennessee. She loved the the kind of calmness, but also like all the stuff that you can do here. She fell in love with Tennessee. So, and in 2001, she and her three children packed up and they moved to the outskirts of Nashville uh, to a town called Big Sandy, which is like west of Nashville. And fun fact, it, it's near land between the lakes. And if that sounds familiar to you, make sure to check out our episode on Carla Atkins and Vicki Stout. If it's not sounding familiar, land between the lakes was where those two uh girls were found sisters too so it's a really good case if you haven't heard it Carla Adkins and Vicki Stout by 2004 she started a job as a nurse at the Northwest Correctional Complex in Tipton Tennessee and that's where she would meet her third husband she fell in love with an inmate his name was George Hyatt George was a very seasoned prisoner At 17, he had already gone through drug and alcohol counseling, and it looks like he escaped between two and five times. Yeah, including once when George and another inmate used a knife made out of a toothbrush. That's how they were able to escape, like threatening the guards. Jennifer was caught giving George extra food and special attention. She was then fired for that. That didn't stop Jennifer and George, though. She would then petition for a marriage, which happened on May 20th, 2009. The couple were no contact due to George's inmate status, so only letters and phone calls. They did not get to touch or kiss at their wedding. The couple's relationship was tough. Jennifer would even try and take her life less than two months after their wedding after a fight with George. So, pretty toxic. They tried to stick it out and make it work. They were looking forward to a 2005 court hearing where George um, was going to take stand and he, this was from an earlier robbery. He was supposed to plead guilty, but the couple came up with a plan. By August 9th, 2005, George was transferred to the Kingston County courthouse and this is where it all goes down the escape plan would that's where it would take place he was going to be moved from one jail to another 
And so they thought this is the perfect time to help him escape. Jennifer drove her blue Ford Explorer to the courthouse around 10 a.m. after George pleaded guilty for the robbery. She approached the inmates being escorted by Officer Wayne Cotton Morgan and Officer Larry Porky Harris. I don't know why, but I love this. Cotton and Porky, like, (laughs) I love, I love the nicknames. She then fatally shot Officer Cotton three times and also shot Officer Porky, but he was able to survive. The inmates then ran and loaded up in Jennifer's car. Jennifer was also shot and later recalls using painkillers to deal with her gunshot wound. Yeah. Witnesses claim that Jennifer Hyatt stormed out of the courthouse. She got into her Ford Explorer and... Yeah, that's kind of how it all went down. Um, They did find the Ford Explorer a couple days, like, not very, uh, like, soon after, um, because they were only on the run for, like, two days. Police later announced that they believed she could be driving a gold Chevrolet Venture with a license plate number GFU-155. The next day... The Chevy Venture was found in a parking lot of a motel. It was an it was a lodge, and this was in Erlanger, Kentucky. But neither Hyatt was found. Not George. Not Jennifer. Yeah. The same night, the Hyatts were charged with first degree murder. Um, the next day, after that, around ten p.m. Uh, The Hyatts were captured at an American's Best Value Inn, and this is in Columbus, Ohio, so they were on the move. The couple was captured after a cab driver named Mike drove them from Erlanger, Kentucky, to the hotel in Ohio. Now, the Hyatts reportedly said that they were um, going to be attending an Amway convention, um, but the cab driver later recalls later would call police and uh, the SWAT team actually showed up to this hotel where they were staying. Um, It was reported that weapons were found in the hotel. So yeah, a quick, I mean, they were only out for two days and it seems like they just did a lot of driving. Plus Jennifer had a gunshot wound. So I'm sure that was fun to deal with. Yeah. You you got two days, and now you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail, both of them. On September 17th, 2007, Jennifer Hyatt pleaded guilty to first-degree murder and was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. As a condition of the plea bargain, which allowed her to avoid the death penalty, she had to agree to testify against George. However, her testimony was not required because George Hyatt did not contest the charges made against him. So she she didn't have to she ended up not having to to take the stand against him, but she was willing to. On March 9th, 2009, George Hyatt pled guilty to all charges including the first degree murder of Officer Wayne Cotton Morgan. As a result, George Hyatt was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Yeah. 
I don't know how I feel about this one. I feel like Jennifer, she had like a rough start in life. Divorce is never easy. Being sexually abused as a child isn't easy. You know, marrying because you're pregnant, that's not easy. And then finding her first husband like that, it just seemed like she, I don't know. I I feel, I don't know. I feel bad for her, but also I would never do the, do some of the things that she did. I don't think I would ever risk my, my, like my freedom for someone I fell in love with out of jail. Like, come on. Um, I think therapy and mental health has a lot to do with this case. And, um, you know, maybe if she had, if she had just gone to therapy or seen a doctor or told, talk to somebody, I mean, it's rough. It is rough. And I have been through some of the things that she's been through. Like I was sexually abused as a child. Um, my parents got divorced when I was, I was a teenager though. So it wasn't like a big thing. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's so interesting to me to like read these cases and like write all of this information down that I've gathered from other podcasts and um, TV shows and stuff. And it's so interesting to like see how someone becomes who they are or see how, you know, how things in their life, traumas in their life have, have put them on a path of like self-destruction, really. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's self-destruction. So hmm. if you have any information on the case, I would love to hear from you. Uh, at expired podcast at expired podcast 423 at expired podcast chat um yeah we come out with new episodes every monday and you can get the episode early on youtube but also every monday wherever you download your podcast again thanks so much for listening this is the expired podcast